0: you're listening to a University of Warwick podcast. For more information on the university visit warwick.ac.uk. Professor Stephen Katz is a director of the Eli Weasel Centre for Judaic Studies at Boston University and holds the Alvin J and Shirley Slater Chair in Jewish and Holocaust Studies. Katz received an honorary Doctor of Letters from the University of Warwick on Monday the 14th of July 2014. Here he is speaking to Tom Frew.
1: Uh, Professor Stephen Katz, welcome to the University of Warwick, and congratulations today on your Doctor of
0: Letters. Well, it's very nice to be here. It's a very nice honor for the university to bestow on us, and so all together we're proud and happy to be in Warwick.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, Looking through your your life in academia and your work, it's uh, you've taught at some of the finest institutions in the world, but. I was wondering thinking about the Holocaust, whether you consider today we as a generation coming up a generation who are graduating with you today, do they understand the Holocaust enough do they is their understanding what you would hope it would be?
0: Well, I think it's fair to say the young people today are not as familiar as their previous generations, but it's not only the Holocaust. historical knowledge seems to be in decline in secondary hmm. schools and in universities. So we try very hard to give them some context for their lives, and the Holocaust, even though it now it's be 70 years, ended 70 years ago in 1945, was such a watershed event that it has defined the subsequent 70 years. Mm. Uh, you see that, for example, in uh, both the violence that takes place, which tries to replicate the Holocaust, and you see that... some of the very kind and generous efforts that are made in terms of human rights, dealing with refugees, the right to interfere by the United Nations, various kinds of legislation. So it's cut both ways, but it's obviously still a living issue for our time.
1: And as part of your work as a committee member of the United States Holocaust Museum, this is a cause clearly very dear to your heart and important to you.
0: I think it's very important to me and, of course, to the Jewish community and Indeed. to the world community. So I'm very honored to be involved in some of these things.
1: Could you have imagined when you started in your life of academia that it would progress in the way it has and that you would end up today here no. in in the Midlands of, of
0: the UK? I couldn't. In fact, I always tell my students, life is what happens while you're making plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was busy, busy writing books in general philosophy, Jewish philosophy, and mysticism. And I'm actually quite well known for books on comparative mysticism Indeed. around the world. But what happened in 1981, I got, a lecture to give, I got an invitation to give a lecture at Notre Dame. I said, what could I talk about at Notre Dame? I thought the Holocaust would be a suitable subject and I'd be finished with it. But it grabbed my imagination. I started to study it more intensively. And now, 40 years, almost 40 years later, Mm. I'm still trying to figure out the right questions.
1: And it's a continually ongoing process.
0: Yes, it's an ongoing. You know, we discover new knowledge all the time. We open new archives. We change our methodological perspectives. We realize we did too much of one and not enough of another. So it's a continually evolving kind of understanding.
1: And reflecting on that, where do you think Holocaust studies stand today? Is you know how has our understanding changed? As you say, as more archives open and our well, our knowledge base expands.
0: I think that first of all, we have a much clearer picture of the whole scheme of things. That is to say, not only of Nazi Germany but of its collaborators in Slovakia or in Bulgaria. Uh, We understand also much more about the dynamics of local populations, that this was led from the center, but everywhere the policy that evolved what happened was affected very, very dramatically by local intervention for the most part. Also, we've come to understand much more about the uh, instincts and interests of the perpetrators, why they do these things, though that still remains a puzzle in some way. We learn more and more about the response of the Jewish communities in the ghettos and in the various places of persecution and mass death. And also, I think uh, we have an increasing interest in comparative questions, because though we use the slogan, never never again, the world hasn't quite learned never again. So for the last 70 years, we've seen bloodshed and violence. And even today, we have Syria, where 200,000 people have been murdered, and the Central African Republic and South Sudan, and uh, the continued persecution of tribal peoples in South America. So the question of genocide, the question of Holocaust, the question of mass death, of governmental action, is very much with us.
1: It seems from what you're saying that the expanding knowledge base, as you say, of our, our greater knowledge of the Holocaust and so on, is actually relating to your earlier work regarding philosophy. It's, you know, the more we learn, the more philosophical questions and the more insight it provides to that.
0: I think that's a fair way to put it, a very intelligent way to put it. What makes my work a little unusual and why people read it, I think, is because I don't just write historical uh, reviews, research. I try to reflect philosophically on the kinds of events that I'm studying. Hmm. So whereas historians, for the most part, are interested in what happened, for example, the greatest historian of the Holocaust named Raoul Hilberg always wanted to know what happened, and he was deeply mired in German texts. But I also am very interested, even more interested, in the question of why it happened. Hmm. Why do people act the way they do? Why did governments become complicit? Why did the Nazi state fall into this extraordinary racial fantasia? Why did the uh... western governments not interfere more directly why did the vatican uh... largely keep silent? so those are the kinds of questions that i think at this point after many years of research and we have a clearer picture of the facts on the ground we can begin to investigate with some kind of intelligence
1: it certainly says something that seventy years on from the liberation of Auschwitz and Birkenau that we're still as a as a people as a world community still trying to grasp this whole situation, that it's still somehow out of our understanding to an extent.
0: I think that's true. I think the magnitude of it and the nature of the event was such that it challenged all of our assumptions, not only about governmental action, but about human nature itself. How could human beings who are your neighbor one day turn around the next day and march you off to a train to a death camp? How could people steal the property of their neighbors when they'd sworn that they would keep it safe? How could people shoot a million children, murder a million children? That's a deep question. How do you murder a million children every day? You Mm. get up and you put them in gas chambers and you shoot them with bullets behind their ear. That's a question that raises every conceivable ethical and normative and descriptive questions in the social sciences, the anthropological sciences. Also, it asks about how groups act that is say how states act what makes them resist what makes them complicit so all the big questions ethical political theological philosophical have to be examined again i would think in the light of auschwitz it's a very mm. complex process
1: the generation who are graduating of you today it is uh, more than likely that their parents were born sometime after the war right. and that their grandparents themselves would have been too young to fight in the Second War. We as a university, when you think about that period of time, are only 50 years old and we're celebrating that next right. year. What do you think the biggest challenges and opportunities with that, ti- that time scale of 50 years of this university existing but 70 years on? from the Holocaust as we look forward to the next 50 years what do you think the challenges are in terms of teaching the future generations?
0: Well let me be cautious because predicting the future is always a complex business indeed Uh, in Soviet Russia they used to say predicting the past is difficult because every time Stalin changed his mind they had to rewrite the great encyclopedia so I'll be cautious but I'll say this first of all I just came from a conference in Jerusalem where there were 450 people from 50 countries. So the interest is not waning. It's actually expanding and growing in China, in Hong Kong, in Macau, in India, in South America. And we have institutions now that will continue to teach uh, the museum in Washington, the War Museum here in London, the Memorial de la Shoah in Paris, Yad Vashem in Jerusalem. So we can be sure that it will continue to be taught. I think what... I hope will happen is that universities will increasingly understand that it's necessary for them to look after the liberal culture that they've inherited Hmm. and that universities are crucial to protecting the social order and that it was the corruption of German universities which was one of the most important failures of that society that allowed Hitler to come to power and the rise of Nazism in the university, among the students. So I would think that Western society is grappling with that issue, and from my own sense, I think the universities are trying to create centers for the study of new moral issues, new old moral issues, for new old political questions. Uh, Here in Britain, for example, the University of London has a very active program in Holocaust education Uh, The Prime Minister Cameron is now trying to think about what a suitable monument would be uh, in Britain and I advised that committee that it shouldn't be a building but it should be fellowships and studentships and things that are living and will bring young people into the picture from generation to generation. So I think the challenge for universities is to continue to work at creating liberal environments and that they mustn't be altogether indifferent to moral questions. They mustn't become technocratic institutions that are interested only in producing bolts and nuts or engineers and computer scientists who never ask, is this the right thing to do? Is this something society should be supporting? Or is this something society should be uh, adverse to? So I'd say that's the challenge going forward.
1: And thinking about those people graduating today... What pieces of wisdom, what piece of wisdom would you leave them with as they go forward into their careers?
0: Well, that's a difficult question. I think I would say to the young people today to be vigilant and to be thoughtful, to be self-reflective. Much of what happens uh, in our lives and much of what happens in the public arena happens because we're indifferent because we would take the easy path and be bystanders. And I think the key issue is that all of us understand that every day moral decisions fall to us out of the blue. We don't expect them. We put ourselves, we find ourselves, not we put ourselves, but we find ourselves in complicated situations that require our concern, and that we take responsibility. I think the most important thing for every individual and for every social group and for every society is to take responsibility and the young people today will define the next 50 or 75 years of our society and what I would hope is that when they're confronted with evil which they will be when they're confronted with uh mischief, when they're confronted with all kinds of crimes, high crimes and low crimes, when they see prejudice, when they see stereotype, when they see violence, they will have the courage to say, this is something I need to be engaged in, this is my responsibility. And they will therefore act, not be uh, bystanders, happened all too much in the past.
1: Professor Stephen Katz, thank you very much for your time and congratulations again on your degree today.
0: Thank you.